Hi, I'm Martina McBride. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories. But you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart, and this podcast is not suitable for children. But then, neither is the music business. (laughs) So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. The Shady Ladies are really excited to welcome one of the most awarded and acclaimed female vocalists of our time, Miss Martina McBride. Hey. Hi, Martina. I'm so happy to be doing this. I remember thinking when Martina first came on the scene that you were really sophisticated and that you were like probably from New York or, you know, a big major city, having no idea because, you know, you were... You had a manager from out of town, and you did the Lilith Fair um, uh, tour, and it just seemed so hip and, and incredible that a woman, you know, a female artist from Nashville was getting to do this stuff. And I don't think I had met you at that point, but I just kept thinking, God, she's, you know, just this incredible vocalist and so beautiful, and she's doing all the hip stuff that I was I wishing know. my clients, you know, could get involved in. <laughs> And Bruce Allen wow. was fairly intimidating as a manager, who was Martina's manager. Then he was one of the founders of the Lilith Fair, and he managed Brian Adams. Who else did he manage then, Martina? But, uh, back then, I think it was just Brian. He had Bachman Turner Overdrive before that, and Loverboy, and uh, Michael Bublé eventually. But Brian Adams, Brian Adams, I loved him, and that was a pretty hip person to have. And he was from Canada, wasn't he, Bruce? Yeah, Bruce was from Vancouver. How did you hook up with him, Martina? Well, my husband, John, his sister and her husband um, live in Canada and knew Bruce. They'd worked with him. uh, My brother-in-law's a photographer and had shot some album covers for Brian Adams and Loverboy. And so they'd worked with Bruce. And when we were looking for a manager, they suggested him. And I'll never forget, we met in New Orleans, of all places, Um, John was down there for a music festival. He was running sound for some kind of festival, and I was with him. So Bruce flew in, and we met, and we just hit it off. I mean, you know, it's so funny when you say you thought I was sophisticated because I was exactly the opposite of that. Still am, really. <laughs> but I, didn't, I just didn't know anything, you know. I didn't know anything about the music business or... Um, you know, I came from such a small rural area and, in Kansas and just didn't know anything. So... I really went with my gut on a lot of stuff. And, and when I met Bruce, he just felt like it felt like a good fit. It ended up being a really long relationship, about 17 years, um, I think, we, we worked together. And uh, we were good for each other. You know, we had very, very different personalities. And he really wasn't, he wasn't schooled in, in the Nashville scene at all. So he kind of blew in with this big, huge personality and, I kind of had to, you know, tell him to tone it down a few times because he's he's just kind of a larger than life, you know, persona. He's an intimidating guy. But I think that really worked for you. I think that really worked for you because you were sort of removed in my, you know, uh, memory of being part of, you know, there were a lot of female artists back then when you, you know, 
when you first came along, and it was a really exciting kind of time, I think, for female artists oh, yeah. when you think of all the and the different sounds. I mean, from Mary Chapin Carpenter to you to Pam Tillis to Lori to Winona. And, you know, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, how young Tammy was. Tammy went out when she died. And, you know, back then it seemed like, you know, she was a legend. And, yeah. uh, you know, and really well, how- women are, you're coming into your prime as singers when they're sort of, you know, dismissing you in some odd way. How old was Tammy when she died? 53. Wow. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. It is shocking. I don't know why she seemed, you know, I guess maybe because she was such a legend. I mean, really, you know, w- one of the legends and icons of all time. And, to and be able she to, had been to be that so it- sick. And she really looked debilitated. She looked awful. And she could hardly walk. And, you know, she, you know, she was really not in good shape. I remember one time that Evelyn and I, right before she died, were out at... Uh, the uh, Opry with her, and uh, she had to wear bedroom slippers on stage. And remember, hmm. didn't they call an ambulance for her that night, Evelyn? Yeah, it was awful. It was her last appearance on the Opry, and, and her suit was buttoned wrong, so that, you know, the jacket was all kind of screwed up. She did perform, mm-hmm. but, you know, that was it. Now I think she left in an ambulance. Mm. She did, and but she was only 53. Well, That's then she shocking. was probably 52. She was always so sweet to me. I got to, you know, be with her a few times. And um, one time we did a show together, and she invited me to come over to her bus. And, and she was in her rollers and, and putting on her makeup <laughs> and had her little dog. And, you know, she was just always very warm to me. And um, I, I'll never forget it. I appreciated it at the time. Because, like you said, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know, you said I was removed. I always felt just really kind of shy. You know, I just, I felt yeah. like I, I was not a part of everything. I don't know how to describe it. Like, you come to town and and, and you just have to figure everything out. And, and so to have someone like Tammy Wynette be so warm to me was, it was, it was powerful. She really liked you as a singer. Martine, I remember actually sitting in her kitchen and we were watching uh, CMT, I guess, when they used to air videos. And you came on and she just thought you were the greatest singer. She really had, uh, you know, nothing but compliments to say about you. She really, uh, she used to get up in the, well, she was up all night anyhow, uh, you know, because of the craziness of her illness. But she would watch videos all the time and call and say, you know, I saw the new Martina video. Boy, that was really good. Wow. Uh, but she, she stayed very in touch with what was going on and who all the girl singers were, as she would call them. You know, well, that girl can sing. She had to have been then really, really young when she first started, right? Yeah, with three right? kids. Imagine that. She came to town with three kids. Gosh. <laughs> as a single mother. And no wow. no experience and no manager or anything. But I remind, you know, what, what the story that the story that you told just a minute ago, Martina, reminded me when we were having lunch one day when uh that Mickey Guyton, isn't that her name, came over yeah. to the table and she was so blown away to meet you and uh, you know, you were her Tammy and she was you know, and you were very gracious and nice to her. So, you know, it goes on. 
that's so humbling and so amazing when you think about someone you know, singing to you in their bedroom, like I used to sing to Linda Ronstadt and, and Tammy and Loretta and all of those people in my bedroom and just dream of doing what I have been able to do. And I think it's so important to to be not necessarily a mentor because the thing is, you guys know this, when people first start out and they're young and they want to do everything their own way, you know, and, they, and a lot of people, I, I think, at that age, don't really feel like they need a mentor or necessarily welcome someone, you know, in their career or in their life. But as you get older, you realize how, how important it is, you know. So I just always try to be available for anybody that, that wants, <laughs> wants what I have to offer in the way of advice or, or guidance or just somebody to listen, you know. When you realize how long Mickey Guyton has been around, it's shocking you know, because people acted like they had never seen her before when she was mm-hmm. on the uh, ACM show. But she's been around for a long time. And I think because, you know, finally they're attempting to let people of color into country music. Mm-hmm. That she had that big moment with Keith Urban on the show. Uh, and she can really sing. She's terrific. Yeah. She, she really can. So what do you think it is, Martina, why radio won't play more women? You got into that whole tomato controversy. And <laughs> what do you think brought it all about? Because when you think of, you know, some of the great, you know, artists in country music, so many of them are women. You know, Loretta, mm-hmm. Tammy, Patsy, you know. Dolly. They've always, they've always carried their load. And yet today they won't let any of them in. I think there's more women now that are doing better, like Tennille Town and Gabby Barrett and that Ashley whatever and, you know, Miranda and uh, Carrie. I think there's more women that are breaking out right now than men. Yeah, because of the guilt that, you know, Martina and all the other people put on the industry about (laughs) ignoring women. It's not that they all of a sudden decided, let's let these women through. I don't even know if they're played on the radio, Mm -hmm. truthfully. What do you say, Martina? <laughs> I don't either, really. I mean, I think Gabby, you know, had a big hit with that song. I, I, you know, it's interesting to what's interesting to me is the fact that back when when there was me and Faith and Winona and Jamie O'Neill and Sarah Evans and all of these people um, getting played regularly, uh, it still felt like a struggle. I'll be honest with you, it, it still wasn't easy. You know, we had to work hard for every single spin. And the label said that. The label said, well, they don't play women. But meanwhile, you and all a lot of those women were having number one records back then. Well, I'll tell you something. We had some, we had, I was lucky. I had some good executives at my record company. I had a huge machine behind me. And I was also allowed to record the music that I wanted to record. And, you know, I look back and I think, right, I mean, you know, the songs that I recorded, I don't know if they'd get played today. Uh, I don't. It seems like the, some some of the females are having to tailor, kind of tailor make their music f- to get played on country radio, which is a shame. You know, I'm not speaking yeah, for point. anybody. I'm just saying, like, do you think Concrete Angel would get played on the radio today? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I don't and that's know. a shame and, because and, we, Independence Day. You know, would yeah. they play that? I don't even. Know. Where would you be? My dad was talking about where would you be. He was like, he watched the CMA show, and he's like, you know. I miss just miss songs like that. And I'm like, yeah, well, I know, but I don't think that it, I don't know, man. It's like, 
substance is missing. And I think I think yeah. a lot of it is because of the female point of view is not allowed being allowed or not really being spotlighted. And so we're missing a we're missing like the point of view of half the population. <laughs> it's crazy to me. I agree with you. Remember remember when Tammy had that song about her daughter's dear daughter, you know, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. were there singing so-and-so and I wasn't there because I was on the road. I, I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't think they would ever play those kind of songs anymore at all. There's a, there's some kind of weird thing that's happened and I don't know how or why or when, but somewhere along the line, I think, you know, a lot of it, I mean, think about how radio stations have been consolidated. They, they weren't used to, you know, people used to kind of be able to decide, you had a program director and a music director, and they could kind of decide what they played on their radio station, which is another reason why we had to work so hard, you know, and we had a lot, they had a lot of influence. So you, you went to the lunches and you played the free shows and you did the liners and you did all the stuff that, you know, curried favor because they could decide what they played. Now it's so consolidated that I think everybody gets the same playlist, pretty much. And, it's, you know, there's no individuality. So it's like, what's going to work? Or what, what, what are they, they're kind of judging what they think people want to hear. And it's so skewed to me. And it's so, um, like, I don't know. As a country music fan, it's not what I want to hear. What I want to hear is a song about my life. I want to hear a song that I can relate to, you know? I want to hear a song exactly. that makes me go, oh, man, that's exactly how I feel. And, and you know, without a, a lot of women's point of view on the radio, I don't. it's not there for me anymore. No, no offense to the guy artist. I'm just saying I, I can't find what I need there. So I don't listen to it, to be honest. <laughs> and I can't really tell you who what's going on on, on radio. Um, Me neither, you know, and, yeah. and, and even from a male point of view, I don't care about those songs either. Right. You know, it's not serving I mean, when you me, think of, you know. Yeah. Country music used to be something that really evoked emotion from you. You know, it was I like, mean, oh, not, God, the heartache. There's no exactly. heartache. No, they're not playing. They're not. They wouldn't play. He stopped loving her today either. No, never. <laughs> so it's really about maybe it's just about content, really. And it's like I also say. I've had this conversation before too. Like when we were making music, like when I was making, you know, songs like Independence Day, Blessed, all those songs, they kind of could fit side by side sonically and thematically in the landscape of radio because with men, because you had, you know, me and then there was Garth Brooks singing what, you know, the, it, well, it was, he was, the dance was before. Let I the thunder roll. Up, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like some, yeah, thunder rolls or you had like, um, um, Rascal Flats or whoever it was like the music coexisted in such a nice way it was easier for us females to fit into that so- soundscape now it's like who's going to record a song as a female that fits in between all of this bro country and doesn't sound like you know doesn't make you go what, what what's happening like you know doesn't interrupt the flow yeah you can't put a ballad in the middle of the set because yeah all of, you know, these people will, you know, go hysterical on you. <laughs> Sometimes a song will sneak through, like Miranda's song, The House That Built Me, you know? Mm-hmm. That was that was a really emotional song. And uh, Casey Musgrave's songs, but radio doesn't play her. Somehow right. she's managed to break through without radio. 
You know, it's such um, a, I it's remember such a, when I first came to town and I was having meetings at the labels on, you know, new uh, clients and stuff, new acts that they had signed. And they would start off the marketing meeting by talking about how, you know, this female was not going to, you know, headline a tour, was not going to have, you know, sell a lot of records. The whole mentality was, you know, you just put her out there and, you know, and hope to God that she gets to open shows for somebody. And it, it was such a belittling conversation. You know, I was so shocked when I first, you know, came to town and heard people talk about the female artists like that. And I had come and from New York did, where I had just finished working. Line. Well, I had just finished working with Diana Ross, who, you know, you know, was, was like Ross. the boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she just issued orders left and right and, you know, yeah. retouching and this and that. And then I came to Nashville and was, well, you know, we'll pray that we can get her on a George Strait uh, tour. And that was as far as it went. Well, yeah, that was that it. Funny. Everybody wanted to open. All the women wanted to open for a man so they could have an audience. Yeah, it's cra I mean, so it's always been there, you guys. It's always been there. And it just surfaces in different ways, you know. What did you think of your whole Songland experience? That's a whole new way of doing music nowadays, you know, yeah. through these, no, I, I the voice and, and that. Yeah, I loved it. I, I thought I think it's a great idea for a show, and what and I will tell you that like the experience was fantastic on all levels. Like everybody was very nice. I felt like people, the uh, mentors were are really there to support songwriters. It's not some kind of a ruse or you know it doesn't feel like a competition um they the producers of the show were super open about me doing whatever i wanted with the song you know i was able to to rewrite some of the things i was able to record it however i wanted and and there was no limits on any of that which was artistically so that's it was very artist friendly songwriter friendly you know you get to help an us up-and-coming songwriter have a, a a cut you know, so it's like a win-win, and I got a, a good song out of it. So, I thought yeah. it was a really good song, and you sounded really great on the song. Thanks. You know, it was like they made it for you to be able to sing it. It sounded great. I loved the and song. And didn't, didn't it become number one right away on iTunes or something? Yeah, I know it, it did. did very well. That's very exciting to see, that, you know, such a quick reaction. You know, when people can hear the music, they respond. It's, That's you know, it. That's it. That's exactly it. You have to find a vehicle, right? You know, so people can hear the music. It's like, and also there's so many ways to listen to music now other than the radio, but there's so much content. So where radio used to be our filter, like it was like, this is what was on the radio must be what's the most popular and the best music, right? <laughs> but now, you know, we realize that there's so many, so many people making music and that's confusing to me as well because... You know, I just it, I come at it from from such a different perspective. The way I came up, came up in the business, and to think about making a whole record and releasing it to streaming only, and then how do you get people to know about it, and how do you get people to listen to your music other than somebody else's if you don't have a record company behind you? You know, it was it's so I admire those people so much for just you know slogging it out like. Some of those young new artists that I see releasing music, and it's it's uh, it makes me really grateful that I had the experience that I had. But also, there's something about you know just not ha having to fit into any box 
when you're creating music that must be liberating as well, you know? Now it's all about touring. Touring, yeah. And building mm -hmm. up a fan base. But you already have that. I mean, I think it's great. It's great to... I'm not to, talking uh, about Martina. I'm talking about no. young artists, which is what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives them the freedom, I think, to, you know, maybe create, you know, something that they're really, you know, in love with, as opposed to, you know, being instructed what to do. And mm -hmm. if they can tour and create that buzz, I mean, you know, I think it's just sort of overwhelming for somebody my age to think about all the opportunities on social media, you know, mm -hmm. but the young people coming up understand it and you know, they manage, you know, a lot of people are making quite a bit of money that we've never even heard of on online with their music. Exactly. I yeah. mean, there's big careers out there. We're just not aware of them because we're still geared to radio and, and normal things. But when I see acts, you know, on Saturday Night Live on TV that I've never heard of before, and they're, mm -hmm. they're huge acts, apparently. I don't know how, you know, how, how my daughters discover music. I, I, Delaney, my oldest, is a massage therapist, and so every once in a while I get lucky and she gives me a massage, and I, she has this playlist that she plays, and I'm like, oh, I don't know any of these people. Like, I have never heard of any of them. And I'm like, and a lot of them are women, and I ask her, like, how do you hear new music? Like, how do you know about these people? And she's like, just people, you know, word of mouth. I mean, my friend, you know, some people recommend it, or I see a name and I'm compelled to, or soundtrack, soundtracks, or like, I mean, television, you know? So there's... It's interesting how people are discovering music now. But you know, on on television, they don't show you all the time who wrote the songs. So, you know, it's hard to figure out. Like, I'll watch a show and I'll love the music, but I can't figure out who the music was by. Well, you don't find the songwriter thing, but you can find the artist. You know, there's that app. You can just hold it up, whatever it is, and it identifies the music Yeah, but you have to hold up you. your phone. To, I'm talking about when you're listening, when you're watching a show. And you love a song, and, it, and you know at the end of the show on you know series and stuff, they don't tell you who's who the songs are by. Yeah, you have to Google it. You have to do. Yeah, yeah you, you have, have to, to Google yeah. it. God, what so would you do that? So that happened Google? to me a couple times with uh, Yellowstone. That Kevin Costner uh, show. He has a yeah. lot of songs on there that sound very familiar, and they sound country, but I have no idea who they are. Yeah. So well, I have to doesn't Google he have the a show. band? He does, but it's not him. There are other people. You know, other people mm. that I don't know who they are. Like, he's had, you know, a John Prine song. As a matter of fact, I recently saw a show that had the last song that John Prine wrote. And how I knew that was because his wife had posted it on Instagram. I never would have known that without Instagram. Hey, that brings up a good point. So... When you think about that for a second, think about those huge artists like John Prine that never really had, I might be mistaken, but not, you know, a super commercial career, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's all, there's, there, so, you know, it, it happens. I'm always fascinated how, like you said, a band that I've never heard of can come and sell out the Ryman for three nights. I'm like, how does that happen? But, you know, people find their following, I guess, and. They go on the road, they play, they go to play small clubs, and people, you know, the word spreads. It's all about playing live these days, although not really, <laughs> because I don't know, <laughs> nobody's playing live. 
So I don't know yeah. what they do now in the pandemic. Maybe they're playing at drive-ins. I don't know. No, well, but a lot of people are on YouTube in different places where they're doing a lot of music. It's just that, you know, we're not necessarily exploring it. But, you know, people like your daughter, uh, you know, do take the time to kind of explore those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go to YouTube specifically to see, you know, a particular thing. And then, you know, I'm done with it. Yeah. You but, don't go down the rabbit hole of YouTube? No. <laughs> Yeah. So how did you like doing a TV show, Martina? How did you like doing the cooking show? I liked it. It was fun. It was a good experience. Um, You're such a great cook. I mean, we need to tell our audience that you are really a fabulous cook from and hostess. Um, oh, well, and I can you. say that from having eaten some of it. Her banana cake is the best thing that I've ever had. And, and you know, I, every day I wait to see what you're making for dinner on Instagram. And it always looks, I can't believe you have so much energy to cook these elaborate meals every day. It's unbelievable. Honestly, it's been my sanity saver. It's been my therapy, really, during this time at home. Because, I don't know, especially when this whole thing first started, it just gave me a focus, you know, for the day and for the week. And I would make out my plan of what I wanted to cook and then try to use stuff in the pantry so I didn't have to go to the store. And, you know, it was kind of like a a therapeutic sanity Challenge. saver. And, and, and I st- still look at it that way. I mean, I've, I've cooked so many meals since this pandemic started. It's kind of crazy when you think you about have. it. You have. But I love it still. So that's good news. You had more cheese in your refrigerator than anybody <laughs> but, like, the fresh market. Remember when you showed the cheese in your refrigerator? I, I couldn't yeah. believe it. It was like going I, to an Italian supermarket in New York. <laughs> you must I have, have had, like, cheese. 40 cheeses. You know what I'm going to do? This. You know what I'm excited about now? So I got, I got a smoker. I've never been a big grill oh. person, but I got a grill and a smoke, and it's, it's a smoker as well, and so... I've always loved smoked cheese, like smoked gouda, smoked blue cheese, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke some cheese this winter, and I'll bring you some. Okay, how do you do that so that it doesn't melt? Okay, so I learned the hard way. It has to be cold outside, right? So you can't do it when it's seventy when it's eighty degrees outside. It needs to be cold, and then you just um, put it over a pan of ice and on a like on a, a rack, and you turn your um, grill down to like 120 degrees, like barely, it's barely on, but it's enough to, to create the smoke. And so it's not really heat. It's just smoke. And then you leave it in there for, I mean, three or four hours at least. And then you take it out and then you wrap it really tightly and put it in your refrigerator for a couple of weeks. You can't eat it for a couple of weeks or it's just too. Oh, you're too kidding. And the smoke gets down in there, you know, inside the cheese and, and, I haven't done it yet. I've, well, I tried it. Like I told, I, I, it was cheese melt everywhere. <laughs> it was not good. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm, so I'm waiting for it to get really cold, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it again. How are your cookbooks doing? Because you know people talk about them all the time online. I learned this from Martina McBride's cookbook, <laughs> etc. They're, they're doing good. I mean, you know, um, the one we have out now. It's been out a couple years. Martina's Kitchen Mix, and I, 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 I literally cook out of it all the time like I feel kind of lazy you know that I'm not researching a lot of new recipes I mean I am but um it's just my go-to you know I I and and Delaney now cooks out of it all the time too she has clients that she cooks for um 
And so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know y'all it's, it's fun for me. Like I, I'm so lucky and happy and grateful that I've been able to find another passion other than music and, and be able to, you know, have some fun with it. It's like a lot of people don't get to do that. They only get to do one thing, you know, their whole life, or maybe it's just a mindset, but I'm just, I'm really, you know, happy that I have that. You have such a beautiful picture to work in too. <laughs> Thank you. And Delaney's yeah, a really good cook because she when is. Ted had surgery, she cooked for us a couple times and she's really good too. She I is. think she cooked your lasagna recipe. She cooks in my kitchen, so I get to see everything she makes. And I help her some, which is fun, too, you know. Um, for you know, your girls are so nice. You have been a fantastic mother. I mean, all three of your girls, they're not spoiled. They all work. They're all really sweet. They all, you know, are very nice and uh, engaging. And I know you were on the road a lot. So, you know, I don't know how you did it unless John was home all the time. Well, thanks. I, that's the biggest compliment you can give me because, you know, as all parents, we're, we're all kind of winging it. And, and uh, as all parents know, we're all kind of winging it. And, like, it, it changes with each child, too. You know, I, I parent Ava, my youngest, differently than I parented Delaney. So, you know, you just hope that you kind of hope you don't screw them up too bad. And, and, but when people compliment me on, on the girls, it's, it's huge because they are great they're great people. They're, they are. They're, like you said, they're, they're, I don't know. I'm just they're really. They're gracious. They're so polite. Yeah. How did and, you do it, Martina, while they were in school? I mean, did you, did you tour as heavily as everybody? I don't really quite remember because I didn't work with, you know, you in terms of how much yeah. you toured, but you well, did. We toured um, when, you know, when I had Delaney, I was pregnant with her on the set of Independence Day. So it was right after kind of Independence Day hit I had her and so we just I took her on the road with us she grew up her first five years were on a tour bus on the road and um, then she started kindergarten and I always had it in my mind that I wanted to her to go to school like go, get up every day and go to school and have little school friends and like have a kind of a normal existence and so I told John I said well when she starts kindergarten we're gonna come off the road and maybe just tour on the weekends and he was like okay like he didn't believe me I don't think but that's what we did you know and I, I, I was like I was so excited because I, I, I got to be the room mother and you know go go to all the little celebrations at school and and um, I remember asking the when we were touring to decide the school I said you you guys do like you know music programs and you you have you have like events right and she's like yes ma'am we, we do all of that I was so excited for, <laughs> to be part of all that and then, you know, I had Emma, and and we took her on the road a lot, too. The one that really didn't get the road experience was Ava, I guess, because I had, I had you know, it was a different phase in my career. But um, I did come off the road a lot, and I turned down a lot of work, and I didn't go overseas as much as I probably c could have or should have. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't trade it for anything because they are, you know, seemingly well-adjusted <laughs> Human they are well adjusted. Up. You would know <laughs> well, by they now are. if there was something wrong. <laughs> don't you and think strangers you can pick it up right away too? You know, when you when you don't know a child so well, but you know you've been around a lot of you know various celebrity kids. You you get a fast reading on how they are, and your mm -hmm. kids have You're just been so balanced and sweet and nice and 
you know down to earth and not spoiled yeah, yeah well we worked at that you know i think that i always thought that was important i think it's because john and i kind of grew up the same way even though he grew up in in the city and i grew up in the country but same kind of values and family and and we you know oh lord when i was growing up if you didn't have the money to pay for something you just didn't get it you you worked until you had the money and sa- saved and then you were able to buy whatever it is you wanted to you know and so like i feel like we had a, a lot of the same values i guess that we passed on to our kids and i really wanted to make sure that they that they were normal that they weren't spoiled i guess is what i'm trying to say they're not they are so sweet and they all work i mean at least uh emma and delaney do uh ava's still in school stealing mm-hmm. my banana cake for her friends but she <laughs> is still in school and uh it's so funny because i have a friend whose son was in school with ava and she was uh-huh. like the big heartthrob of the class <laughs> cassidy remember i told you and he yeah. asked her out yeah, and he, she had like three different dates to three different proms. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she she did the prom thing. She's funny though. We were talking in the car a couple of days ago, maybe last week, when I picked her up from school, and she said, she said, well, this boy wanted to hang out, and I said, but she said I told him no, and I said, she said, I said, well, what did he say? And she said, well, he said, you know, I'll take you to dinner, and I said, so he asked you on a date. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, what did you say? And she said, I said, no, I don't, no, thanks. It's, it's, a, it's COVID. And <laughs> my grandpa is coming in town for Thanksgiving and I can't, I don't want to go, you know. And, and uh, so anyway, that's like, that's all happening kind of behind the scenes. And sometimes she tells me and sometimes, you know, she probably doesn't. But it's, it, it was shocking to me that some, that she's, I get, I mean, she's 15, you know. So I yeah. shouldn't be shocked. God, I remember when she was in her baby basket coming to soundstage with you. She had just been born. She was little bitty. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, when we did Timeless. I was pregnant with her when we recorded that record. What did you do with all the outfits you wore on the award shows? Did you give them to the Hall of Fame? I have some of them still. I've preserved a few, and I have a, a few of the gowns. Um... And but a lot of stage clothes and stuff I've given to auctions and you know charity auctions right. and things like that. But I still have a few things. You know, I'm doing. Well, they'll end up at the Hall of Fame. It's funny that you say that because we've been planning. You know, the Hall of Fame offered me an exhibit, um, which was supposed to be in August, and then it was supposed to be in December, <laughs> and now and then yeah. it was January, and now it's I think hopefully you know next. August of 2021 but I've been going through a lot of things for that exhibit and um you know my mom saved a lot of stuff from when I was a kid and I have a a lot of that stuff and and just going through different stage outfits and memorabilia and it's 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 so it makes sometimes sometimes I have gotten rid of things I now wish I wouldn't have you know but um yeah but I, I like you know it's fun to to go through and look at all that stuff for sure well we really appreciate your time Martina it's been a fun conversation. It has. It's been the most fun conversation. Well, our conversations you know. are always fun. That's yeah, true. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Martina, for doing this for us. We really look forward to it. Oh, my gosh. My pleasure. And I can't wait until we can have brunch again or lunch again. All right. Well, take care. Love you guys. Take Love care. Love to John. Bye-bye. Thank you. Love you, too. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up and lighten up. Share and tell your friends. Then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a, uh, you know, word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Joel Beaver. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Schaefers. He is also our engineer and editor.